Ladies and gentlemen, it's Earth, post-flux, or is it? Who knows? We're about to find out with the second instalment of Doctor Who's The Flux here on Who's Raven On, the Raven On Doctor Who subsection recap podcast thingy hosted by me, Natalie Bohensky. And with me as always is a man who also needs to replenish his gases and nutrients through a small <laughs> vent in the back of his head every 27 hours. It's Stuart Late. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, uh, it's true. I do have a condition. <laughs> That's why you're in a, an iron lung, just constantly. <laughs> yes, You've got exactly. one of the last remaining ones. You stole it off someone with polio. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had, to, I had to wrestle them for it. They didn't put up much of a fight. <laughs> Got out of breath quite quickly. Oh, gee, that's too soon probably. <sighs> We're off to a good start. Off to a great start. Within the first minute, cracking jokes about people who suffered with polio. Cracking well jokes done, about Natalie. people with debilitating diseases. <laughs> Get vaccinated. This is why Do we it. make the vaccines. Exactly. People used to line up in iron lungs. I mean, they obviously didn't line up. They would lie down. But they were lying down in iron lungs all over the place. And people forget that. I don't know Mm -hmm. how. Because, you know, medicine. Anyway, let's talk about something that for once is more fun than horrific, debilitating (laughs) lung diseases. Yeah, it's it's touch and go every week. But this week, it's true. (laughs) And that is Doctor Who, The Flux. Now, I have... uh, very, very recently finished watching this episode because my time got away from me. First of all, I really enjoyed this episode randomly. Yes, I, know I did too. I thought it was a really good time. All I could think of was our friend, friend of the podcast, Tom Selinski, who is a very harsh Doctor Who critic, but who is actually still watching, as opposed to Dan, friend of the pod from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast, who's just not watching. At all. And, uh, and that's fine. Like, if, if you have yeah. stopped taking enjoyment from something, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you should not watch it anymore. That, if you that's... want to sit on a high horse and feel self-righteous, that's absolutely <laughs> your right. <laughs> and the thing is, is that if Dan was listening, he would be pursing his lips and going, I am right. But I don't know if he's even listening. <laughs> like, would he listen to this podcast if he I, I sincerely doubt it, yes. Well, this is my opportunity to just slag him right off. But Tom... <laughs> Who I would never slag off because Tom is lovely. Tom is a very detailed, eagle-eyed writer. And so he yes. picks up on a whole bunch of stuff that I'm like, oh, yeah, I suppose that was a bit uh And, and all reasonable, well-thought-out points too, I should mm. point out. Like, like mm. it's all very reasonable criticisms. He's not like a keyboard warrior who's sitting there going, Doctor Who's too woke now. Yeah, th- well, like, this is right. No, he, uh, he, has, he has actual critiques of like story choices yes. and things like that. It's very Narrative good. and character development yeah. and easily Googleable facts. That- <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, yes, yes. What was it, something about the galaxy in last episode, there was a billion Absolutely. light years away. Yeah, apparently, but- and I haven't gone back and checked because I'm not watching that episode again, but um, the <laughs> yeah, apparently there was a title card, which I was quite tickled by, which I thought said 38 trillion miles away, but it turns out what it apparently said, and I ha- again, I haven't gone back and checked, but apparently it said 38 million light years away, and that's larger than the yeah, I think it was size of the actual universe. I think it was 38 billion light years and the yeah. known universe is like 10 billion light yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. So so like it's much it's a time, much further distance than the entire universe. Yeah, but maybe the universe is bigger than we thought. Sure. There's all sorts of explanations. It's Did you Doctor think Who. About I didn't that? sweat it too much, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it is the sort of thing that the types of people who watch Doctor Who are going to pick up on. <laughs> 
So maybe get that stuff right. It's yeah. it's important to get the little things right, you know? You would think that if you called up, you know, a physics department or something, a quantum physics lab and said, hi, I'm a writer with Doctor Who and I just <laughs> really want to know what's what's the deal with the universe? Can you just give me a rough idea, size, shape, <laughs> component, elements, just 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 for me? Um, uh, but yes, I, I kept thinking of Tom while I watched this episode going, gee, I'm, I'm really interested to know what he's going to think now because I, I'm sort of enjoying this, but he's going to point something <laughs> out and it might wreck it for me. But, um, anyway, the main thing I want to tell you, Stu, is before we, um, look, the main reason I like this episode is because it was Mary Seacole. And I right, love yes, Mary Seacole. I have been a fan of Mary Seacole since I first learned about her when I was like, I don't know, 18, 19. I've been a fan of her ever since. And the coincidence that blew my mind today is that I was at the gym Mm -hmm. and then I stopped into Woolworths to pick up some uh, protein and vegetables because I'm trying to eat healthily. So so a a dirty bird and some frozen vegetables? No, not today. That was all weekend. I spent the previous weekend working on a film show, a film show, (laughs) a film show, a film set. Whole backstory, I'll I'll try and type up something. I don't think it's a super secret. I've been working on a sort of a sitcom proof of concept. Mm, it's very exciting. It's, it's, it is yeah. exciting. It's not. It's. Um, I have written it with Dan. We've written this script together, but commissioned by someone else. And you know, we were sort of shooting this proof of concept to help promote it and hopefully get funding someday or someday soon and try and make it into an actual <laughs> pilot. And it's a really fun concept, I think, for a sitcom. And I, I think we've written a decent pilot. And then I directed the sitcom proof of concept over the weekend. So I've spent the last two days just kind of out of my brain doing film stuff, which I'm not hugely experienced in. So it's been a big learning experience. And the thing that I learned is that I just, my eating habits, which I've been trying to get better at, they <laughs> yes, just evolved yeah, yeah. instantly yeah. with the prevalence of food on set. That was, you know, yes, healthy options for sure, but geez, a lot of lollies, bags of chips. <laughs> I actually didn't have bags of chips. I was a bit lollies. I was just like, yeah, sugar. Particularly the second day, which was like a 13-hour day. Oh, wow. Like, that's, that's brutal. This reminds me of working in journalism and also in <laughs> politics. Yes, well. And also sometimes touring. Wait, why am I surprised by this? <laughs> <laughs> Point is, I had gone to the gym today, you know, to try to ease my guilt and get back into it. And when you I do left- your penance. And- the penance. The same reason many people go to it, church. Yeah, exactly. And I was in Woolworths buying my vegetables and meat for a healthy dinner and was listening to the latest You're Dead to Me podcast, which I'm a big fan of. And he was doing an episode on Mary Seacole. So I've walked in the door, da, 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 listening to, you know, Mary Seacole and a few things. I've, I know a bit about her, but just some more detail, which was great. Then I flick on Doctor Who and all I saw, because remember, mm. I don't know if you remember, I tweeted you when the trailer first landed for this series and there was a shot of like a battle clashing and there was yes. definitively red coats, like yes. British red yeah, coats. Yeah. And then I saw what I thought were like blue-gray uniforms. And so for me, I just sort of saw it and went, oh, Stu, is this the Battle of Waterloo? And you said something, you know, trite, like, you know, who knows? Or... <laughs> I, I think I literally said, sure, why not? Yes, that's what it is. Not trite as in like rude, but just as in like, yeah, why not? No, in, um, in hindsight, that was a very dismissive reply. Um, <laughs> but but I, I was sort of like, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I, maybe, who knows? Maybe, I'm not getting my hopes up. This show, man, come on. So I just kind of assumed that that would be the Battle of Waterloo because typically if you see the red coats and the blue coats, your mind kind of goes, well, British, French, what's the most famous battle? For sure. With red coats and blue coats, you know. I'm not talking Agincourt. They wouldn't have had the red coats back then because, you know, Britain didn't exist during Agincourt. Let's not get into it. I flicked on ABC iView to watch the episode and I saw the little title card and it was the doctor standing next to a woman of colour mm. with the Victorian-style thing on 
standing in it like a shack thing. And I went, that's going to be Mary Seacole. And then bang, there they are, Crimea. And she walks up with a Jamaican accent. It's like, what are you doing here? And it's like, oh my God, it's Mary Seacole. I'm in. I'm so in. (laughs) I'm just in from the start. I'm committed. This gets a huge tick. Love Mary Seacole. I think there's a movie coming out about her soon. They've actually there might made a be, movie, yeah, yeah. Like a proper movie. I, I haven't great. seen anything about that, but that, but that feels like it feels like these things sort of come out all at once. Like there tends to be something yeah. that bubbles up in the in the public sort of consciousness that yeah, like three or four different things sort of all happen at once. Well, I think it's been made. I think it's just been held back due to COVID. Sure, so yeah, yeah. it's due to come out at some point. But she was a legend. Like the woman was a rock star and. I just was so excited to see her in a Doctor Who episode standing there. Yeah. Like the fact that I picked it, obviously having heard, I went, I bet you I've been listening. This is the universal synchronicity hitting me again. I've just been listening to a podcast about Mary Seacole and there she well, is on Doctor Who. The, the fact that the fact that um, you're dead to me is a, is it a BBC podcast or? I believe it, so. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it might've been specifically timed to come out with this episode maybe. Oh, uh, maybe. It, I, I, mean, I don't know whether that would have been. Yeah. I mean, certainly someone at the BBC is going to know a bit more about Doctor Who but I mean it might have been it might have been out there in the the press about the series I just hadn't seen it so I had no idea that Mary Seacole was going to pop up in this Mm. series but maybe maybe it's out there maybe I'm just coming to it having ignored all press about the series (laughs) of Doctor Who but I was delighted and so it gets a tick from me well, that's great. I'm really that. glad. I didn't know very much about Mary Seacole, so I actually learned a lot in this episode, which I think is is kind of the point of these like nouveau historicals. Yeah, uh, is to do the what the old historicals used to do in Doctor Who, which is teach you a little bit about history while having some fun doing it. And the thing is, is I think they did her British Hotel really well because it was kind of a half business, half nursing kind of setup. There was a reference early on to Florence Nightingale where she said, oh, you're too close to the front to be with Nurse Nightingale to the doctor and Yaz and, and Dan. And they're like, oh no, yeah, we're not with her. So the thing is, is that Florence Nightingale, and, and you look relatively all due credit, she did sort of revolutionise nursing and tried to put in a system where hmm. of how people were treated and very big on cleanliness and germs to the point where she became a, you know, possibly obsessive compulsive or possibly germaphobe, but she took to her bed for like the last 20 years of her life and she didn't leave that Right, house. yes. But Mary Seacole, God, she grew up in Jamaica. Her father was Scottish. I think her mother was mixed race. So she's a mixed race uh, woman of colour mm. and she loved being a part of the British Empire, I think, because of her Scottish father. And so she occupies this really interesting space, and they talk about this in the podcast, where she really loved the British Empire and wanted to kind of be there for them but also was treated horrendously because she was a mixed race woman. So right, of and, the, and one of the biggest poor treatments of her is that Florence Nightingale turned down her application to join her nursing corps. She was still in the Caribbean when uh, she heard about Crimea and she said, I need to be there. And so she got herself to London, turned up to Florence Nightingale or, you know, offsets and said, I want to go and be a nurse. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, we're full. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we're full. Yeah, no, we've just had so many people who want to go to some <laughs> buttfuck nowhere place in Russia and just like wrap bandages around dudes' mm. knees. Like that's, it's just such an in-demand career. Sorry. No, 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 nothing to do with the fact that you're mixed race and we're all like pretty white girls. Like, no. So she got over there. She had like a business partner and he helped her with money and they got over to Crimea and then they bought a whole bunch of driftwood and wrought iron and created this British hotel and they were the closest to the front line. So Nightingale was back with the official, I guess, encampments and stuff and then she was much closer to the front line and so they would drive past her every day and 
stop and she'd make up rice pudding and she'd bring alcohol out. And the whole idea was that- well, I was people- about to say, yeah, she, she uh, extols the virtues of rice pudding and strong yeah. liquor. And that's absolutely someone's, you know, done their Wikipedia checking mm. um, because she was all about like just healthy, nutritious food because it was cold and these men were- down in the dumps and, you know, maybe had their leg blown off, whatever. So a bit of rice pudding will get you right. So she's such an interesting person. But then she was ripped off because the idea was the officers would pay for nice things like champagne and nice food, slightly nicer food, and that would allow her to nurse the soldiers, the infantrymen. And then, of course, when the war wrapped up, everyone just, like, fucked off and no one paid her. So she was, like, dead. Uh, but then they held a fundraiser for her in London and she was so famous. And this is, it's one of those things where it's really interesting because you'd think, oh, she's been forgotten by history, but not re- like not at the time. She was really famous and she loved it. And they held a festival in her honour that 40,000 people paid to attend. Whoa. It was like a couple of days and it was held like she was fated as this, you know, the mother seacole of, of the Crimea. And right. anyway, but the people who ran the festival, apparently super dodgy, she ended up with 57 pounds. Right. So, <laughs> so even there, she got, she got messed, messed around. She got shafted. Now, admittedly, 57 pounds in those days is probably like a year's wage for a middle class kind of person. But still, the woman put yeah. her life on the line repeatedly yeah. for years. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so she had, she grew up in the Caribbean with, you know, home, home remedies, home cooking, and she just like wanted to be a part of the empire and, and help. So it's such an interesting motivation and I I think it's a wonderful one to bring up that she was recognised in her time, forgotten mm. a bit by us like because we remember Florence Nightingale when you think of a nurse. But Mary Seacole is such an interesting character because she was about, yeah, I'm going to get in there, I'll get on the battlefield, I'll, you know, she was down with the the grubby nature of it. So yeah, I'm, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, I know this is a Doctor Who podcast and we've spent the first – 15 minutes just talking about Mary Seacole, but I think I think it's great. No, that's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's a Doctor <laughs> Who podcast. We're talking about a historical figure that featured in the episode. There's no nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I hope um, it encourages more people to look her up. But, but one of the things is, is always problematic with history is that a lot of what we know about her is from her own memoir that she wrote, and then they, they sort of announced that at that fundraiser. They went, and now she's got a memoir out. And so right. it was the sales from that memoir that actually was the more beneficial financial input for her rather than the sure, festival yeah, yeah. itself. Yeah, she wrote this memoir. But a lot of the stuff in there, particularly with her early life, you know, can't really be corroborated because she was just a woman. Like she wasn't royalty. She wasn't sure, um, exactly. famous. There's an element of self-mythologizing that's going on there. Yeah, of course, of course. But at the same time, you don't get a big fancy party thrown in your honour for something you made up about yourself. <laughs> So, yeah, so if we move into our minute challenge and I start, Stu. Indeed, that, please that do. That allows me to just say my first one on my list was Mary Seacole. <laughs> so we've discussed that now and I'm sure we'll come back to it, but we can move on. Do you want me to continue or do you want to start with your list? No, no, I'm no, you go. I mean, ages. having started, please continue. Let's let's do it. Okay. The second thing I wrote was, are they the four horsemen of the apocalypse? And what I mean by that is... The Disco Lannisters um, and right. their friend. Yeah. Because only because that Azure said, I am Azure and I am death. Sure. And then the other guy seems to be maybe 
war or pestilence because I was he, I was I was thinking pestilence if yeah, you're going to fit him into something he seems to be a scourge or a, yeah. or a swarm indeed like well, swarm that's that's where I got that from swarm and and it was like he's got weird buggy things in his head and he makes people disappear and then the other guy was called passenger mm. so I was trying to work out is he what the four horsemen <laughs> uh, there's the war famine pestilence famine. and death so I guess he could be war or famine. Yeah, well, he's pretty. He looks pretty well fed to me. Uh, so I think he's <laughs> probably war if you're but going by it, that. But, but having famine, said that, isn't famine often represented by a gluttonous kind of figure because they're eating all the food? Like, that's, that's true. Maybe, point. yeah, yeah, that's true. But it was more that he has this weird mask and he doesn't speak. So I don't know. He I, he reminded me of nothing so much as uh, Thanos. Weirdly, I guess because like he's a big guy, but like specifically to just his look i was like hmm someone's been watching marvel movies and i did like the fact that he sort of was the unspoken partner so i don't know i just it was the way that she said i'm azor and i am death and there was and, and, and at one point they said ah now we are three so they were either a threesome and you know that's their own well you know they're, they're, a, they're a pair and they were looking for a third so you know they they got it it's <laughs> all good unicorn hunt <laughs> <laughs> Google it. Um, but the, <laughs> but I just thought maybe because this is obviously the second episode, I thought maybe that's something that might turn up next episode. There's another. Yeah, if we, if we add a, another member of the, the the bad guy posse every yeah. every episode, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on from that, they had the the little triangle lanterns. Going, yes. Can yeah, you yeah. repair? Can you repair? Which obviously was there in the tunnels that that Liverpudlian dude built because he turned well, up and had a conversation with Yaz. Yeah. Although, are they? I mean, I guess they must be eventually. Maybe that's you know, it's some sort well, of temporal place. It's timey wimey stew. So it sure is. The whole point of this Moori, which we can talk about, because I realise I forgot to put them on my list. <laughs> Me too. The Mori are some sort of, they seem to be women, the female figures. He they sort have of, a very sisterhood of Khan feel about them. Yeah, I was going to say like the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica, the newer series, when they're all sure. really revealed. You know, when they yep. reveal who the, the, the final five. The or final five. Was, yeah. And they're kind of all in like draped and they're standing around. And you're like, oh my God, it was that guy all along. <laughs> They've really just retconned this whole thing. <laughs> I enjoyed that series. It's, it's fun. So did so, I. Yes, <laughs> Very much I, so. I enjoyed the little slightly um, histrionic lanterns going, can you repair? Can you repair? Can you repair? You're just very flustered. Yeah. And they had lovely character for an inab- inanimate. Well, I Yeah. Mean, to, to the point, I mean, they, they actually did an incredible job of imbuing them with character because then when Azura is walking around killing them, yeah. you actually like feel sad. You're like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> the little triangle <laughs> oh. guy died. I thought it was quite clever the way that they split up the three fam. So you had Yaz. Oh, go I thought to it was. The... I thought it was very arbitrary and could have been done a lot more elegantly. But fair I mean, enough. Pro- look, probably, but it meant that it kept the episode sort of moving because this was a long episode. I I, I didn't realize it was going to be fifty five minutes. So it kept. Yeah, it was. Of... It was. A, it was a chunky boy. It was. It was pretty big. <laughs> and although weirdly, like it was. It was a bit more. Even though there was three separate storylines, there was actually less going on in this episode than there was last episode because last oh, yeah, episode had sure. to set everything up. So you had like yes. eight different stories all going at once yes so dan going back to liverpool i really enjoyed like his walk just running yes, around yeah. with a walk yeah that's fantastic that's great I, I, that's what I, that is an extremely doctor who thing i love it yeah it was just lovely when you know his and his dog turns up and goes to like kill one of them and he's just like no nah, i got this mate and slams it in the back of the head <laughs> yeah and then he does like some walk puns like dodgy walk puns. <laughs> yeah yeah he's, he's got some walk gear ready to go yeah and look, the, the the terrible pun, you know, person that I am, 
just really admired that. I was like, thank you for putting those in. But so it also, know, he seems like the kind of guy who would make a bunch of wok puns, though. Like, <laughs> like it just works. Like, it, it, it's a character moment. I love it. Yeah. And it works better than probably the Doctor having said. I mean, I think Jodie Whittaker's Doctor is a bit jokey. And there's that. There's a lovely scene where she's telling, well, I mean, I thought it was enjoyable, where she's telling Mary Seacole and the British Army officer, you know, what to do. And saying, hands on head, pointy stick. Yeah, I'm going to need a pointy stick. And that was charming enough. So she would make puns, but they were funnier in that context coming from Dan. Yeah. Speaking of puns, I really love the dog puns when the dog turns back up. Carvanista. <laughs> Carvanista, yeah. Carvanista turns back up and says, I don't think so to the Sontarans. I've still got a human in this fight. <laughs> yeah, so that was like, great. Oh, that's great. That's so fun. And yeah, so he has a few little dog puns that I yeah. really enjoyed. I didn't have Carvinista on my list, which I realized I our minute challenge uh, finished quite quickly, weirdly, um, although yeah. we always use a minute. I don't know why, you know, timey-wimey. Timey-wimey, But um, Yeah, I didn't get Carvinista in there, but I, I loved Carvinista in this episode. Again, I actually really liked him and how he was sort of plays off Dan. I think it's really good. I think yeah. he's a great character. Yeah. Well, I had to come back. I got the Blaine, typical. Like he's just a dude trying to do his job. He's just that guy. He's, 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 you can tell straight away he's, just, he's always grousing about something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. You know, like he's very, very – I enjoyed it. I, I know. No, exactly. Cool. Yeah. It's a good time. Oh, that's that's what was funny. When the there were like a, a, an elevated door opened – Sontarans walked in and his head tilted and he did that thing that dogs do where their heads, when they hear something, yes. their heads tilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give a little clever touch where he just went, Whoop! like, what? And it was very dog-like. Yeah. I love the Sontarans. I just really enjoy the Sontarans. Absolutely fantastic. They were really, really good. I, I, I can't remember if I've always enjoyed them. I know they've done this in the past where they've done their kind of like almost erotic joy at the idea of a glorious death. Yeah, well, because they, they, they lean into the tongue thing. Like the big sort of technical achievement of the original sort of Sontaran mask was that the actor could actually stick their tongue out through the slot in a very disturbing way. It was actually very unsettling. And they've, they've kept that for the new ones so that they really just sort of waggle their tongues about in a very, in a very disturbing way. It's quite good. I like it. The, the difference was, though, when the uh, the captured Sontaran, I guess, the one that, that Doctor and Mary Seacole use as a messenger and then mm. they follow to, yes. to find their camp and he realises he's been shamed because he got captured mm. and then he's like, oh, execution will be a relief, you know, a release from this terrible shame. Yeah. And then they kill him and it's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, I guess it's the flip side of when they have, they've had in the past Sontarans die going, yes. Yes, I am dying this glorious death. <laughs> it was like, oh, that's a bit of a. I mean, it wasn't his fault he got captured. He suffered a what was it, a spherical um, inter- interaction. He got a, he got a ca- he got a cannonball in the back. Yeah, but the way they said it, it was a spherical interruption or a spherical something. <laughs> That Sontaran and a couple of the others were played by Dan Starkey, obviously, who's been like the Sontaran actor. He famously played, played Strax with the, the Peter Noster crew with oh, uh, yes. Madame Vastra and everyone. Yeah, they, um, they divided opinion, didn't they? Peter Noster crew. Yeah, I think so. I, I really liked them up until their very last appearance. Then I was instantly over over them and needed them to leave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was very strange. I, I was really into them. And then they, their final appearance, I was like, oh, I don't need to see them ever again. They're done. They're a very, very specific thing. But I, I really liked uh, Dan Starkey's tracks. I'm glad he sort of got to come back and just do his thing because he's, he's, he absolutely nails that. I look forward to watching you burn in hideous agony. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. The joy of, 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 of a warrior race. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, thank you for choosing a massacre. <laughs> I, accept, <laughs> I accept your offer of a massacre. 
Yeah. So he was all the Sontarans, really, the main No, one? so he was so, – so the main Sontaran, like the leader Sontaran, is a, is a guy called Jonathan Watson um, who play. I, I'm not familiar with his work, but he played uh, Skak. And that's what I was going to say. Another good pun. It was hit Another the road, Skak. Another great pun. Skak. Hit the road, Skak. It was like, take your helmet off, mate. And it was like, oh, no, put it back on. It was just, I don't know. I, I enjoyed some of the dialogue. It's great. They look like in, burnt potatoes. He actually referenced that. He said, I haven't seen any of the potato heads yet. So yeah. I've got to work on my <laughs> accent. I didn't understand exactly how it's only been two days and the Sontarans turned up and they're all over the world in two days. Yep. That would be one of the many uh, shaky bits of this particular episode, but like it's in its favor that you only really register it afterwards. Like you sort of sit and think about it and you're like, what, how did they do that? And, and why? So, so my understanding having watched the episode once and read a couple of reviews is that the Sontarans slipped beneath the Lupari shield. The Lupari shield, just as it sort of closed, because they're like psychic strategists predicted that that would happen. And so having slipped under the shield, they were then free to spread out through Earth's history. They were setting up a beachhead in the 21st century as the flux was taking over, but then they could work backwards and conquer Earth like right back into its prehistory. Yeah. That was my that understanding would make of it. sense. Yeah. It's fine. Basically, the Sontarans want to take over the Earth and the Doctor has to stop them. It's and they want to simple. do a lot of war to do yeah. it. They want to do a lot of war and they want to do it not just in one time but in lots of times. Yeah. So, well, that's the know. thing, isn't it? That's the, the time typical time story is you've yeah. got like, oh, my God, we went back in time and the Romans were fighting the Sontarans and then that changed all of history. So it's been Sontarans ever since. Yes, Whereas exactly. they want to go, no, 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 we want to really make sure we get this job done. Yeah, We're going yeah. back to every major conflict. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is that there'll be no humans left by the time they get back to the 21st century. Well, that's Quite fine. The like, it, then Earth becomes part of the glorious Sontaran Empire. Well, they can't even live there without their crazy suits. <laughs> like, it's a very much, It's. A, I feel like it's a very, what is it, the, the ejector hole on the Star Wars Death, and the Star Wars on the Death Star? <laughs> You know, the, <laughs> the, 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 the vent, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the rogue vent. <laughs> which, which ironically, the, the Sontarans have almost exactly the, a version of that vent that brings them down. That's my point. That's my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they've got one very specific flaw that they haven't worked <laughs> out. At least they do some groundwork and say they're not very bright. They yes. sort of do yeah. reference the Sontarans as being a bit dumb. They're not stupid, but they're not a smart race. They, they, no. they just like to fight. They like to fight and conquer. Yeah. Dan's parents randomly turn up. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely and they do. I, should, I mean, I because he's in his 50s, I think we worked this out. Yeah. And I guess in, like, it's Liverpool. I don't, uh, you know, I don't like to make comment, but maybe everybody has kids. Conceivably, they would, be, they would be maybe in their playing, 70s. Yeah, maybe he's playing 40-ish rather than. It makes me wonder whether the role was written with a younger guy in mind and then that's, they just cast John Bishop. Yeah, that's kind of, but you'd think that once they'd cast him, they could make that little change. And go, oh, it's a mate or something rather than a. I mean, it was nice. It's too, just a too times, late. Too late to change it. Like, like too female, hard to change it. I would not be surprised if that female actor was only about ten years older than ambition. Why does it like, have to be his parents? Like, why couldn't it just be like some friends of his or someone from the food bank? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it uh, yeah, it was a, a bit of an odd one, but maybe they're going to turn up again. Sure. Yeah. But he obviously hadn't explained where he'd gotten because obviously. But then he just decides to leave again with the doctor and not tell them. So Well, I got the impression, I, I wondered whether like he'd come back and it was like the same night because he was looking at his phone and it was like 
8 p.m. or something. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if he's like come back on the same night that he left. And then, no, it's just two days later. An yeah. arbitrary amount of time has passed. Mm. I really liked the TARDIS not having a door. Yes. I don't yeah, think yeah. that's something I've ever seen before. I, I enjoyed it quite a great deal. Um, I've, we've seen the Doctor open the TARDIS and it's just a box inside. Yes, yes. Um, That's happened before. Yes. Um, but, but the fact that never... it, she was just walking around and around it and the door was gone. There was a yeah. lovely moment. Of... And it took, it took her a moment to catch on. She's like, hang on, where's the door? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. But then obviously it comes back and she walks in and then something, whatever's corrupting it is, is increasing. Mm. So we It's have so corrupting... unsettling to see the TARDIS like in trouble like that. Yes. And she's clearly very worried about it maybe that's pointing towards the big bad at the end of the six episode arc Mm. or something is whatever's corrupting the tardis or maybe it's that swarm guy again going back to the pestilence sure i thought that uh some men just want to watch the world burn so they had i think it was logan who i think might be based on a real character in history i'd have to double check sure who blew up all of the sontaran ships as they were leaving so again it was this sort of moment of how they had the time. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where did those it, explosives come from? They, and where they were had, they hiding them? Like that the doctor didn't see. Seven and a half minutes mm. to unplug a whole bunch of pipes so mm-hmm. that the Sontarans would lose their precious nutrients. Somehow he's gotten a whole bunch of people to go in there and set up some explosives. Like cliche boxes of dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Guy Fawkes stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like it would have, like they stopped short of giving him like a plunger to set it off, like Wally Coyote. But like, <laughs> but he had the, he literally lit a match. He lit a match. It on, yeah, it that's right. Exactly. Pretty cliche. But then he was like, "I must disavow that notion, Doctor. This is for my men." I've acted and, like a dickhead this whole episode, yeah. but I'm not about to stop now. <laughs> and I really, it was. I mean, look, there is no way to say that the British Empire was a good thing. We get that. We understand. <laughs> We understand. I, I mean, I t- we're taking the controversial stance that the British Empire <laughs> may not have been wholly one hundred percent good. I, the thing is about the British Empire, and in many ways, all empires is that. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously a product of the British Empire. I, sure, as I, I, as, I, as am I, as am most of the people listening to this. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was terrible, and it was terrible. It, it, this is. I've always sort of looked at history and I, I understand that it's history is, is never history. It's never past. It's, it's, what do they say? History is never past. It's not even history. No way. History is never forgot. There's a saying, Google it. Those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Oh, not that one. That's the cliche. one. <laughs> um, but this is what humans sort of do. You don't like other humans and seek to take their resources and assets. And uh, when you don't like that they're different to you, you kind of kill them. It's a tale as old as time. Where are you going with this now? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know that the Crimean War is one of like, basically it was a whole bunch of white people killing each other. Oh, and Turkish people. Sorry, there were Turkish people in there too. But the Turkish people were on the British side because the Russians were trying to get into the Ottoman Empire. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Crimea is not one of my stronger war history things. But look, the point is, where am I going with this? Natalie justifies (laughs) colonialism. I'm not at all. It, It was a really interesting commentary on colonialism, I think, that they had to have the white guy very definitive. He'd already been a dickhead. Like he'd already been a dickhead going, no, 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 we can definitely take out these guys who have kicked our ass 
from breakfast to dinner, every single encounter we've had with them. But no, 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 one more. It, he's literally Melchert in Blackadder. Like, mm. ah, they won't be expecting us to do exactly the same thing on the 18th time, which is why it'll catch them off guard. <laughs> like, it, it was cu- slightly cartoonish is what I'm saying. Yes, and I definitely. know that obviously British officers did dumb shit for sure and they sent, Zach Brannigan would say, I'm going to send wave after wave of men at them. Um, yes that's exactly what they did in a lot of situations and I'm sure he probably would do a random weird exchange thing but it was a little um, what am I trying to say it was very much a I personally was like yeah we got the fact that he was a dickhead and he was never going to change did they have to have him blowing up the things just so the doctor could be like it's men like you who make me doubt (laughs) humanity like I, it, well, I especially just, because, like, I mean, I felt it was Calvinister and Dan end up blowing up the fleet in the yes. 21st century, yes, and as far right. as I'm, as far as I can tell, it achieves the exact same end. Yeah, like that they, they do that, and then like the episode says, well, the the British guy was bad for doing that, but our heroes are, yeah. are good. Did they destroy them? Because they just seem to be gone. They're like, oh, they're all gone. They come out of the water. The dog and Dan, Dan and the dog, the dog and Dan. They get out of the water of the Mersey and then all of a sudden, oh, they're all gone. So Well, that's they- confusing because like, so either they all got blown up in the past and therefore the ones in the present disappeared, but we explicitly see Dan and Carvanista crash one of the Sontaran ships into the others that are sitting there and they all blow up and vaporize. Basically. Yes. So did that- Which can not- I just say, that is possibly the most impressive effect shot that the show's ever done, just to derail us for a second. Like, that was incredible. That was some incredible CGI. The, did you agree? Or having you, like, the Sontaran ship go the, through the, the, the other Sontaran, Sontaran ship, ships. like ramming the other Sontaran ships. Yeah. I thought that looked fantastic. Yeah. In a way that this show rarely does. Like, you know, it's <laughs> Doctor Who. It always looks a little bit ropey. Like, and that's fine. That's that's part of the charm of it. I, I like it for that. But I was yeah. like, that's just a good effect shot. I quite like that. That's really good. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I just just saw that Tom has posted his his review. I'm just going to oh, read right. you the first sentence. Well, we don't, okay, yes, yeah. That was dot, 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 better. Good. <laughs> Not really, but better. <laughs> hey, look, it was fine. Like, like, I mean, the thing is, we're grading on a curve. Yeah. This is a fair to middling episode of the show overall. Yeah. Like, there's nothing I... particularly wrong with it. It has a couple of wobbly bits. But I think, like, it actually, like, it does pretty, some pretty good stuff. And it's a really good use of the Sontarans, I think. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It was but a lot yes, of fun. Thank you for raising that point about Dan and the dog just crashing and one assumes killing a whole bunch of Sontarans. I mean, yeah, sure. They then, must have killed some Sontarans. It was Sontarans <laughs> on the ship they were on because they were, they were jumping off it. Yeah, but then in the past it was like, ah, oh, you colonial, expansionist, imperial, military, oh, Britain. And I I don't know. I just thought that was kind of like, oh. It's it's a bit mixed mixed message. I think the show was trying to have its cake and eat it too, and it's also that strangely cavalier way that Chibnall deals with his heroes killing people because he's definitely had the Doctor kill people before, even back in previous eras of the show. Like I remember on Dinosaurs and on a Spaceship, oh, um, which was one of his. He specifically like has the I mean, like the Doctor. There were dinosaurs on a spaceship. Hey, it, it did what it said on the tin, Natalie, and it was a lot of fun. It was actually a lot of fun, that episode. There was Nefertiti. It was all sorts of things. Like, that, yeah. you know, it was a lot of fun. But in that episode, like, he has the Doctor make a choice to aim some missiles at the main bad guy and kill him. 
you know, which is extremely undoctory. Yeah. Uh, and, as far as I can tell. And then um, the demons of the Punjab with the um, just walking away from someone being shot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's its own like kettle of fish. But like, yeah. you know, like there's, there's, there is a difference, I, th- I think, between like the doctor walking away and not saving someone, which I also hate, and the doctor actively murdering people. Um, <laughs> and. Is you Doctor's know, a bit like Batman, really? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. You know, you know? like the, a little bit. Like, like the Doctor can kill in self-defense and has often, like, you know, blown up things and done all sorts of things. That's fine. I, I don't mm. necessarily mind that. But, you know, I guess that they engineered a situation where the morally questionable guy blows up the fleet on one end, and that's bad. But our heroes blow up the fleet on the other end, and that's good. Yeah. And... <laughs> It's a victory. It, do- it doesn't really track. It doesn't, it, like, within the episode itself, it doesn't really track properly. So, And also, if you didn't have empires, then you wouldn't have the basis to inspire the creation of a race like the Sontarans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not suggesting that Doctor Who justifies the British Empire. I don't think that's what I'm suggesting. Is that what I'm suggesting? <laughs> I mean, well, like I, the thing the thing is, if someone if someone sat me down and said, okay, like you can undo history to the point where all of the suffering created by the British Empire would all go away, like there would be no British Empire and you would, you know, you would have a world that was free of that scourge on it, but also you don't get Doctor Who. And it's like, mm, I'm going to have to have a think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably make the right decision. Just give me a minute, okay? And it's interesting because obviously that that's a big thing for for so many people, and obviously for people who were invaded and colonized, they're yes, going to have exactly. a very different feeling on that. But it's hard to, and I know we still live with, as I said, history is not even past. The past is not the past is not the thing. It's not even past. That's the phrase, the one I was saying. Google it anyway. Call in if you know what the phrase is that I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Please tweet me. It's what's happened and yeah and it sucks and we wouldn't do it now hopefully but obviously humans are really just fucked Stu. humans humans are pretty terrible humans are wonderful and terrible yeah and And then you get a whole bunch of them together going you know what's great our particular system of government and what (laughs) let's go and make sure everybody has that they don't want it they don't know what they want (laughs) it's like uh, maybe I'm bad maybe I just am able to like put too much distance between me and and the past because I love history and I love seeing the ramifications of history but I also very much understand why expansionist powers be expansioning (laughs) you know it just makes sense that like you start to build stuff and then you go yeah well we want more stuff now I mean within the scope of history yes I can I can yeah yeah sure but only because of the look Stu if I can bring it it's never been a good thing is my is my point Natalie yeah and my point is no one can no one can say that this is unambiguously a good thing yeah um the final thing I will say in my minute challenge (laughs) we haven't even got onto the plot yet I think we can all agree. Stu, we haven't even uh, got on the plot yet, and you've you've already delivered a full throated defense of empire. So. <laughs> oh man, is this the thing that will cancel me? Is this, <laughs> is this it? It's going to be something. Local D list personality, Natalie Bohansky, uh, yesterday defended the British Empire and extensive capitalism in a podcast. I apologize to everyone who I have offended with my um, excesses <laughs> and I uh, look forward to learning more. Two more things. I totally forgot that Vinda is Grey Worm and I realized yes, yeah, this we did. since I yeah, sent you a random. Yeah. 
I sent Stu like a random all caps message at like 3am one night going, oh my God, it's Grey Worm. I had just totally not even, I think I remember when he was announced as joining the cast yes. and that fact went zooming out of my brain and <laughs> I just happened to remember or saw something and someone went, oh, it's Jacob Anderson. I went, Jacob Anderson? I know that name. Wait, that's Grey Worm. Um, still hot. Still hot. He, gotta say. he certainly is. He's a good looking guy. I really um, prefer his uh, accent, though, his um, Astapor, Unsullied Oh, oh really? Accent. Yeah, with the my queen, you know, mother of dragons. Like, yeah, he should do that more. <laughs> Wait, is that? I'm going to get cancelled. Potentially for just long. for you. Does, does he have a cameo? Uh, What? Does he have a cameo account set up that he can do that for you? Oh, does he have a cameo? I thought you meant does he have a cameo in this in this uh, episode? And I was like, no, he's pretty in it, Stu. I would say it's more than a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I should have I should have made that joke a lot more clear. <laughs> And then did do you watch the coming next week little trailers? I did. Yeah, well, I saw this one. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes. Because some people don't. So if you don't watch them, tune out for sort of maybe the next, I mean, I don't know, skip forward because who knows how long I'll talk about this for. But I, all <laughs> I did was I finished by just yelling out this this thing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back from the microphone so I don't deafen everybody. This is how I reacted. Oh, my God, it's Dot Cotton. Now, Stu, that really? might not mean a lot to you. I, it doesn't. No. What What are you talking about? The last actor who you sort of glimpsed turning to camera was Craig Parkinson. Right. Uh, that's, that's the guy with the Pepe Le Pew like streak in his hair. I think so. Yes. He has a very long face, very yes. long, narrow yes. face. Yeah. So he's in Line of Duty, which is the British cop oh, procedural right. that I okay. keep telling you how obsessed I It's a Line of Duty obsessed. reference, yes, yes. It was a Line okay. of Duty reference. But what's funny about it is that I, I didn't understand because his, his name is Matthew Cotton, but everyone calls him Dot, and I didn't understand why. Like how do you get Dot from Matthew? So I had to Google it. And it turns out that Dot Cotton is a very famous character from EastEnders or Coronation uh, Street. right, okay. Yep. One of those, you know, long-running British soaps. Sure. And so that's why in universe, you know, his character's just called Dot as a nickname. And so it's like a reference within a reference. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, it's Dot Cotton. No, well, clearly he's going to be evil because a whole bunch of things I've seen him in and he's been like slightly evil or mostly evil. He's an evil British man. He, he evil plays. British man. Yeah, yeah, he turned up in an episode of Endeavour that I was watching, which is the right. early Inspector Morse prequel, young Inspector Morse, I should say. And um, he turned up and I went, oh, he's going to be the murderer. It's going to be him. And I think it was. <laughs> from memory, it was. I didn't even I try like, for a fake out with that. Yeah, it's it's him from Line of Duty. He's always going to be cut because he has a very long, suspicious <laughs> face. Very long, like incredibly long. I'm, I'm looking at it right now and it, it's a, it's a, yes. It's a, and, it's and he's a, got a bit of a, in, in this in this picture, he's got a bit of a pompadour going on as well. So like it extends the yeah. features even more. So that's how I ended this episode of Doctor Who was just yelling to no one in my, we're yelling to the cats going, <laughs> What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I, I the first item on my list was uh, okay. Dan can stay because I think Dan kind of. I was a bit iffy on Dan last week, mostly for the fact that I, I wasn't sure why he was in the show. But he's starting to click a bit more. I think, like you know, I, I get the sort of vibe they're going for with him and everything like that. It, it is interesting. Like we talked about it a little bit, but the fact that his parents show up, like it suggests that the role was written with a much younger man in mind. Mm. maybe someone a bit more contemporary to Yaz and that they, they cast an older, a slightly older guy. And that means that having his parents there is sort of a weird anachronism because yeah, that, that would be in their seventies at least. Right. If he's like 50 odd, well, that you depends. Know, if even if he, even 50. if he's playing, if he's playing 40 something, like even then his parents are yeah. in their sixties, which I guess 
I guess yeah. that tracks like, you know, but like. It's that whole thing just... with TV where everybody ends up, when you do all the maths, everyone had their kid at 17 because it's yes. the only way yeah, you can sort exactly. of make it make sense why you've yeah. got all these people who only look about 15 years apart in age, if that. <laughs> um, the next item on my list was uh, Swarm and Azure have been here before. Um, which is interesting. They they say that you know they've they've done it before. They'll do it again. Uh, they're in some sort of time loop. Or yes, well that's with that Maori Maori thing. I'm going to keep calling Maori, and I'm going to get cancelled. Muri, <laughs> the Muri. Uh, but but then it's a wonderfully bonkers concept, actually. That I, that it feels very Russell Russell T Davies. That it's it's a it's the the Temple of Astapor. Astapor? No, not Astapor. We were just Astapor. talking about Astapor. That's a Game of Thrones thing. Um, Abedos or Astapos or something? Atapos? Temple Atapol? of Atapos? Atropos. Atropos. The Temple of Atropos on the planet Time, which is, is great. Atropos like a? Is that something spelled backwards? Uh, Atropos in Greek mythology is one of the three fates, the others being Clotho and Lachesis. So there were three. Yes. And Atropos. And, and now, and now there's the three bad guys. I don't know whether that is any. Atropos's name means unalterable or inflexible, indicates her function that of rendering the decisions of her sisters irreversible or immutable. Yes. And, and notice that all of them are quantum locked, which means that they are technically irreversible. Uh, um, what? What? <laughs> Oh, I love it when I get too nerdy for you. That's that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> is this science or nerdism? I don't. This is uh... well. I mean, but they said that they were quantum locked. That, that's why they they were sort of flickering in and out there. They were in a, a space like between sort of seconds, so that Swarm and Azure couldn't get to them. But because there were humans there as well, they activated when the humans sort of stood in the in the center, not the, the Swarm people. Oh, right. Is that why they made Yaz and Yinda? Yes, yeah, st- stand where they did. They were like, you know, stand there so that we can actually get at them. Yes, and they they've locked them into standing in, and they're going to yeah. make them into Mori or, or kill them. Yeah, or something. exactly. A lot of that stuff was delightfully weird. I, I really liked it a lot. Hmm. And that that was the next item on my list, which was this is weird, but like in a good way. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The great strength of this era, where where it always like really shines is when it goes full weird. And I think this episode was really leaning into the weirdness and I think it'll keep doing that, which is actually a really positive sign, I think. I think it could be really interesting going yeah. forward. The next time on my list was uh, 13 being Doctory. I thought Jodie Whittaker was really good in this episode I... in, in a very Doctory way in which she she hasn't been given a lot of chance to do in the last sort of few seasons, but like she, there was there was some Doctor moments in this, I thought. Hmm. Uh, do you want to be specific? Well, I mean, like just you know, facing <laughs> off against the Centauran, like she was. You know, I loved, like... I loved the way that they f- did that face-off scene. The Doctor and the Centauran were talking at basically a normal speaking volume. Sure. And yet they were standing on rocks, like fifty meters away from each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like there's no way they would have heard each other and all that, but it was fun. Yeah. But no, yeah, no, I... that was good. Like a lot, a lot of that stuff, you know. And but even like you know, like making fun of him, making jokes and stuff, but then saying you know. We will conquer all the earth. And then she's like, no, you won't. Yeah. It's great. Great it's protected. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's protected, protected by me. And I like, I, I just like, yeah, there, there was a lot of just basic good doctoriness in this one. I mm. liked it a lot. I thought she was mm. doing good stuff. The next item on my list was uh, the Sontarans look like mutant potatoes again, yeah. uh, which which I thought was really good. They, they look <laughs> kind of weird and lumpy in a way that they yeah. didn't when they were brought back. Uh, yeah. in the thing because they, they kind of updated the look and the makeup and everything and made it a bit more sort of smooth smoother and, and, and symmetrical and stuff but like these guys look like weird lumpy potato men and it's great <laughs> 
They're a proper villain, aren't they? They're they really are. They're a proper Doctor Who villain. Like, yeah. like they're, they're a, a weird guy in a mask, you know, hissing threats at the Doctor. Yes. It's great. We will destroy you, Doctor. Yeah, oh, it's having, great. Having Good that stuff. fear of the, like, that instant recognition of the Doctor and a, a fear, but quickly yeah, replaced yeah. by that, that, that um, thing that happens where where she name drops herself, like like she she says, yes. "Oh, the doctor is here," and the guy like recoils. He's like, "Oh, Jesus!" Yeah, <laughs> that's it's great brand recognition. You've got to give. Oh, it credit. is. It's good. Really good brand recognition, um, and I think that the. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh no, the doctor's here. We will destroy her. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, for what basis do you have for thinking that you will destroy the doctor? <laughs> Seven hundred and fifty-eight times the charm. Yeah, that's it. This time we will be we will be victorious. <laughs> uh, the final thing on my list was just uh, the best joke in the episode, which was, "I've always wanted to ride a horse." Yes. Oh my god! Thank you for bringing that up. I almost stood and applauded that. That was such a lovely piece of comedy writing. It was like, why the Crimean War? Well, it's you know, a good time, seemed good vibes, and I always wanted to ride a horse. <laughs> it was just a lovely moment of personality from that. That's just yeah, exactly. Time. That's just good villain writing. That's fantastic. Yes, yeah, it was just yeah, that just made me really laugh because it was like, yeah, of course. You're a, you know, you run about in spaceships and time, <laughs> but also the lack of it, it worked with the fact that the Sontarans are sort of don't have a filter. They're like, here's what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, that's it exactly. I will kill you today. And he's like, yes, I always wanted to ride a horse. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I it was a great line. That. I just, I just really, I, I laughed out loud when they, when he said that. I was like, that's fantastic. That's mm. what a great line. Yes. So that that was it for your list. Do we? That, that's what, my list. Do we want to discuss the plot or how it's going to predictions for for going forward? Well, we can we can dive into it. The, the the things that I thought were interesting by their absence was we we got a lot of stuff this week, but we didn't get any of uh, Di, who was the, it was uh, Dan's potential date. girlfriend. Yes, his well, date. He, he rang her. He tried to ring her. Yes, and say yeah, pick and, up, and pick up, and... because she's kept in a house. I, incidentally. Um, I didn't have this on my list, but uh, the episode opens with the doctor in like a black and white forest, and then she looks up and sees in a oh, very, yeah. in a very dreamlike way, like this weird non-Euclidean yeah, um, mansion thing. She's totally looking at the Winchester Mystery House. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly. Which I think is supposed to be that weird mansion that Di walked into. Which again, like you know, I, I, I'm I'm not the first person to sort of notice this, but when we didn't mention it last week, but when she walked into that house, it definitely seemed like it was bigger on the inside. Mm. Whether you know this might be some sort of weird proto TARDIS or or something, and maybe maybe yeah. the fact that it's there is the reason that our tar- that the Doctor's TARDIS is playing up mm. or struggling, like it's drawing energy from it or something, or it's causing it to react in weird ways. We didn't see any of uh, mysterious Claire this time round. I'm oh, sure she'll play Claire? into things. Who was Claire? Uh, the the girl who the yeah, I know oh, the, yes. the girl who had that in, uh, was was the fighting off the angels. angels. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's right. Well done, me for remembering that very critical <laughs> <laughs> tenth storyline. <laughs> um, My memory's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot mm. going on. Yeah, but but overall, like I mean, I just yeah, I mean, we can we can talk about the plot a lot. I mean, what is that temple? What is the temple of, of Atropos or whatever? Um, yeah, well, I was wondering, like, is it Earth or is is the whole point that the Liverpudlian businessman is supposed to have been trying to build tunnels to access that? Or is Earth the planet time? Like, is Earth the main yeah. place in the universe? Yeah. 
were were, um, were the Catholics right that the Earth is the center <laughs> and the Sun revolves around us? Is what I'm saying. It's oh my God. And there I am, a lapsed Catholic, and they were right all along. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's an interesting concept to have a planet called time. Yes, I exactly. Sort of yeah, thought... I think it's I think it's interesting. And also they have that weird quote from later on. I wrote it down somewhere here. Hang on, um, what is it? They say something like, um, time is time is evil and it knows its own or something it like will, that. Yeah, it attracts its own or it, yeah. it, it will find its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sooner or later it'll find its own or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Time. Which the could be a bit of mysterious mumbo jumbo that means nothing, or it could well, be like very significant. Who knows? The other thing that I thought, and I meant to write this on my list because I thought it was hilarious, and I've forgotten, but I've now just remembered. So let's see if you laugh. But I went, "Is this Temple of Atropos the the TVA from Loki?" <laughs> I mean, know, maybe, yeah, yeah. It's like time was crazy and out of control, but now we've got the Muri here who control it and make it make sense. Like the TVA. So it's just like a really budget Doctor Who budget level uh, TVA. Yeah. Well, well what, <laughs> what did they have? The timekeepers. Yes, the timekeepers. Yeah, the timekeepers. Yeah. All right. So they're just the timekeepers. I mean, maybe. Mm. It's definitely possible. And, and not only that, I mean, like Loki was playing in a very Doctor Who space. So if there's some crossover there in terms of like some ideas and things, then maybe. Who knows? I just thought it was a funny reference. Uh, <laughs> I bigged it up too much, though, and you didn't laugh enough. So I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to work on that for next week. <laughs> just looking into that Atropos thing again. Mm-hmm. She was the one who cut the thread of life. So Clotho spun the thread, Lachesis measured how long the thread would be, and then she was the one who cut the thread of life for each mortal. So Atropos is the temple of death, I guess, or like the end. So does that kind of make add a bit of something to it? I mean, it adds some import, I guess, and some 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 resonance, yeah, mythological resonance, yeah, some mystery. On the temple, on the, on the planet of time. Is the planet of time Gallifrey? I mean, probably. It's where the Time Lords hang out. I mean, you would think so. And yeah. yet they don't say Gallifrey. Like they, they yeah, very Yeah, but if these guys don't. are from the beginning of time or something, like from pre Gallifrey, like if they're continuing on with the whole the Doctor created the Gallifreyans and the Time mm. Lords, then maybe they're the God, people I hate who- that so much, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> Stu, this is not about you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I it's didn't not. say I didn't say it's it was not. right. I think you'll I'm, find I said if they're continuing with the concept. Yes. No, no, fair enough. That the doctor like predates all other time lords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact created them through some mystery, then perhaps the reason why they became a child in the first place is because they'd had a fight with the three, the Azure Swarm and Passenger, <laughs> and had lost and then was turned into a baby and then became the timeless child, and then invented Gallifrey. You, what I'm saying is back, back, back. Yes, no, no, possibly. I mean, certainly, certainly possible. I mean, it seems clear that like Chibnall is definitely dancing around his whole timeless child thing. So something's going on. I, I also really, I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but like, I really liked Swarm in this. Like, I think he and Azure are actually really fun as bad guys. I, I and really also, like them. They'd be amazing on a netball team with that. <laughs> You know, you can't get them. Vinda's firing off his gun at them and they're like, ha ha, I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm over here. It's like. Spike. 
Yeah, they would never. No, Spike's volleyball, Stu. Come on, get with it. Oh, sorry. Yes. They'd be fine with volleyball too, but I'm thinking just netball because you can't travel. You know, you've got to stop <laughs> past the ball. Right, yes. So they're just zipping over here, zapping over there. I mean, obviously, they've got to stay within their third of the court because that's netball, their third, two thirds, or that's <laughs> netball. You know, that's rules. And I don't know if their head bumps and stuff would pass inspection. Like, as long as their nails were cut short, I suppose, they might be able to get. And I'm not sure if like netball bibs would fit in with with their aesthetic, <laughs> but you've got to admire that like snappy. They seek me here, they seek me there. Uh, just looking at this uh, <laughs> Wikipedia entry for the Atropos, it says Atropos is one of the three Morai, M O I R A I, on oh, this right, Greek okay. mythology yeah. site, and that's very close to Muri, perhaps M O U R. I mean, almost certainly, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That I can't think- be a coincidence. That's obviously a thing. That's how it's spelled because I have been watching Doctor Who with the subtitles on. My favourite thing or one of my favourite things, obviously apart from, you know, defending colonialism, sure, but one (laughs) of my other favourite things is looking out for mistakes on uh, subtitles. Right. So just like the people who listen to them and they write in the mistranslated subtitle. And so Swarm at one point says, these are the Muri or what remains of them at least. And so it said on the titles, this is the Mori or what remains Middle East, (laughs) which was great. It was so good. It's one of my favorite things to watch for in subtitles Mm. is, you know, the wrong, like, that's not the right words. That's not what they said. (laughs) So good. All right. So the plot basically was um, the doctor, the, the flux happened, but oh no, it didn't. They're back on earth. The shield held, but. The doctor's been flung back to Crimean War. Well, and we all, find three, out all three of them sometimes... were like so. All three of them and the TARDIS were thrown back to the Crimean War, mm. and then Yaz and Dan, for reasons largely left unexplained, uh, are then taken to a different place. So Dan Dan flashes back to the present, and Yaz turns up on a planet called Time. Time period unknown. Things happen, and everything is resolved to everyone's satisfaction. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's it then. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that, you know. I guess they'll have to go back to Die. They'll have to go back to Claire. But Dan is now traveling with the doctor. So he's a companion for realsies. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, he, she even does the, you know, you want to come sort of thing. Because, yeah. you know, he, he didn't have to, he didn't have to go. He, he could have yeah. stayed. I'm just looking for the beers, eh? I'm just saying that. I'm just looking for the beers. <laughs> What else do we need to talk about? Is there anything left? Well, not a lot. I mean, there's there's just sort of, you know, what's coming next week, but we have seen a few glimpses about what might be coming. Yeah, uh, I was too distracted by Doc Cotton to clock anything else. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, um, what? who's Vinda and what's his deal? Like, I, I well, hope we sort of get more into that. some reference because Swarm seems to know everything about everybody. Yeah. Vinda is ashamed and, like, shamed and pariahed or something which would explain yeah he was put in like a bad a crappy posting obviously yeah. because he's done something wrong or, or bad or he's probably just shown like personality in a whatever time period where you're not I'm sure yes. you know what it's probably he had dreads he went you know what i'm bringing out the dreads and everyone went you can't do dreads we're in a no dread timeline it's against the dress code it's against the dress code you're going to have to go way out to the edge of time and space um the other thing was that yaz has a what would the doctor do written on her palm was that? Oh, yes, yes. And Swarm knows about it? 
he's like you've got that written on your on your hand and no one can see it i'm i'm pretty sure you would see it eventually mm. unless she's and also it- like does she write it in in biro every morning every or does morning. she is it tattooed? Like, I mean, what are we talking here? Yeah, or has she done one of those things where you get it tattooed with, like, black lighting so it only shows up? <laughs> or you get tattooed with, like, white ink. I think you can do these with these tattoos where I guess you could still yeah. sort of, if you look really close, but they only really show up under black light. That's the only kind of tattoo I think I would get. And I would get, like, just written over my forehead. Like, <laughs> Stuart Late is great. And just whenever I'm in a club. Okay. Late is great. <laughs> <laughs> Just whenever I'm in a club, which obviously is, you know, it's every week I'm hitting the clubs. Sure, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, who's late is great. <laughs> oh, man, I'm starting to go silly bananas. I haven't I haven't caught up on all the sleep that I missed with these film films. <laughs> yes. We haven't really been rating this series, but um, I think I enjoyed this week more than last week and I didn't even have that bad of a time last week. So, mm. you know, two from two in the not too bad category. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, like this is a decent episode of Doctor Who and I think it's a really good Sontaran episode. The, the one thing that I think was really interesting about it was I think, and we, we didn't really talk about this last week, but like the, the reason this uh, season is six episodes, among other things, is the fact that it was filmed during COVID. Ah, uh, yes. So Chibnall is on record as saying they they could have done like a bunch of specials where they just had like one-off stories and they, they could have done maybe, you know, five or six of them, or they could do like one long six episode story. And that, and that could be a thing, you know, and you can tell because like, there's not a lot of locations that they're using in this one. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of two or three people in a room. And then anytime there's a, a large group of people, it tends to be like, you know, from, from above. Oh yes. Um, there's not a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of large groups of people like there, yeah, there was and everyone sort of spaced out. All of those corpses really yeah. allow for 1.5 meter distance. So they were really spread out, you know? Um, but uh, oh, You make such a good point. Yeah. But what's really interesting is that I think, and, and I think some other people have thought of this as well, but like I, it, this did strike me during the episode. I was like, I bet this was a script. I bet he had written this as like a standalone episode before yes. they had to change everything for COVID. I, because, I very yeah. much agree. I think this was an idea for let's do a historical episode yeah. with Mary Seacole and there's the Russians uh, or they're fighting. Except, except instead of the Russians, there's Sontarans. Sontarans. Yeah. But what's happened What to bring them there? And it's probably just some, you know, timey-wimey thing. I definitely see that they're like, oh, let's fit the Mary Seacole thing in here. Yeah. yeah. In the COVID-free universe, there is a an episode of Doctor Who where it's just, it's War of the Sontarans and it's just the Crimea episode where mm. the Doctor, Yaz, and maybe even Dan show up in the, in the Crimea and have an adventure there. And it's fine. Um, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's fine. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think just think that's really interesting. But I yeah. think what's really interesting is that all the Crimea stuff takes up about half the episode. Like probably about half the runtime. And honestly, that's all it needs. Like you you've hit on all the yeah. main points. Yeah. Like the idea of that stretched out to fifty minutes by itself well, is actually kind of tedious. I, I think, think may, it, maybe a worse episode. I mean, this was a fifty-five minute episode or a bit yeah. longer even. It would have been a 45, 40 minute typical Doctor Who episode, I think. Absolutely. And it would yeah. have been struggling to get there. I think, <laughs> I think there. Hey, we would have just had more cool stuff with Mary Seacole. Well, that's true. You probably would have got some more Seacole. You would have had France Nightingale come in, and there would have been a bit of a you know argy bargy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you could have could have really cast a Florence Nightingale. And I'm going to be a bitch to you, and there would have been that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, it's one I, of those. I just think it's interesting. 
Because you can't, it's one of those weird things where it's like, are you going to turn Florence Nightingale into a villain? Like literally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Knowledge. Yes. Problematic figure in her own way, but she still did do revolutionary work to improve treatment of healthcare. Uh, yeah. In a, yeah. yeah. Like, wow. Again, what I'm saying is history is problematic. All of our favorites are problematic. Everyone is of their time. Everyone is of their time and, you know, things change for the better and we should remember that everyone was just human and humans suck. Let's <laughs> Years from now, people will find these podcasts and they'll listen to me and go, this woman had some issues. We suspected some sort of personality disorder. <laughs> I did love that someone tweeted what I thought was quite a funny comment about um, listening to two-person podcasts. I think he was referring to like specifically tech podcasts. Oh, yes. But he said like every two-person tech podcast is always like one host who's the asshole and the other one who's the actuary who just tries to stop the asshole from being a full (laughs) asshole. And I retweeted it and just tagged Stu going, gee, Stu, which one am I? (laughs) (laughs) And and gave an extremely diplomatic answer. (laughs) Well, if you would like to call in, uh, Segway of Kings, you can tweet us. I'm at Girl Clumsy and Stu, of course, is at Disco Stu. He doesn't need to advertise. Facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne is where we're putting these things up. And, of course, my Patreons are the people to thank because they are amazing. I am holding my hands in a supplication, a supplicatory prayer gesture. I'm sort of bowing my head as a massive thank you to all my Patreons for being just genius and lovely human beings who are always very close to my heart. So thank you very much (laughs) to my two hearts. That was a Doctor Who joke because she has two hearts. Anyway, whatever, Stu, I don't need your laughs. Um, It's fine. Um, (laughs) We will be back next week with... Episode three of The Flux. Once Upon Time. Once Upon Time, which that's cute. That is a cute name. What was Mm. this one called? Oh, yeah, War of the Suntarans. War of the Suntarans. I will give them Once Upon Time with a comma. I'm happy with that. Thank you, Stu. What do we say to close out Doctor Who again? Bye, fam. Oh, yeah, bye. I was about to send that time. (laughs) (laughs) That works too. Why not? That's the other one. Why not? Okay, may all your TARDISes have doors, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, fam. (laughs) 